Yo, 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 it's Kaya and Keegan here from the basement of the clock tower. Here on DACcast, we get to know the familiar faces we see all over campus in hopes that students at DAC and members of the community get to know each other a little better. It's a DACcast, it's a DACcast, it's a DACcast. D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T, because I said it's a DACcast, it's a DACcast, it's a DACcast, DACcast. D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T. D-A-C-C-C-A-S-T. You're listening to DATCAST, produced by students of Danville Area Community College. And now your hosts, Kaya and Keegan. We are here today with probably one of the top three coolest people I know, Michael Estevez. Some of you probably know him as Guido Estevez. Good morning, guys. How are you Good doing? Morning. How Good are morning. You? Great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Guido, can you tell us a little bit about what you do here at DAC? Yes, I can. Uh, well, originally, um, I, I found my way here by looking for free school. Uh, you know, I was like... Being a musician for as long as I was, I knew so many people. I was like, you know, it was time for me to go back to school and have my old guy plan. And um, I met with Laura, and she's like, hey, you know, let's go to walk to financial aid. And as we're walking over, I was like, is there some kind of dumb job I can do around here? And she said, what? And I said, yeah, just anything, you know, whatever. I'll do whatever. And she's like, what do you know about video games? I'm like, I love video games. And then it, uh, they ended up, they were looking for esports. And that's how I kind of wedged my way in slowly. Okay. Uh, then, you know, I've got my music background. So I started asking around and ended up uh, taking over the pep band with, along with Steve Meadows, uh, which was fun because I got pep band normally you think of as they play the basketball games. Mm-hmm. But we changed it around. We did rock stuff. We did bucket drums. This semester we've added vocals. So I've kind of made it more of like a rock band with horns. Okay. Um, and then that led me to kind of start working on new programs, specifically like we, I talked them into letting me build a recording studio, which I pretty much just finished yesterday. It's <laughs> got <laughs> so some testing. Um, so that's been interesting. Uh, and hopefully that'll go along with a new program we have. It's uh, Associates in Music Business and Technology. Wow. It takes basically all the stuff you need as far as learning how to be a musician but also the tech and really, you know, something they don't teach you in school as a musician is the business. Like I went and took, I went to Parkland when I, uh, I was supporting myself just doing music and all my friends had degrees and I had nothing to do during the days. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I should probably go learn how to really be a musician. Mm-hmm. So for two years I went to Parkland, took all the music classes I could. I got a job in the lab. So I got paid to do my homework and hang out. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of just led me to, you know, here. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay, so walk us through a normal day. What does a day look like for you? That's what I love about this place. Every day is different. Um, and, you know, it, let's see. So on an average day, you know, you wake up, usually the, you know, got the emails and things. Um, and then it's usually coordinating meetings with you guys in different departments. Um, I have to check in on all my esports kids just like a regular coach. So I have to make sure their grades are up, things like that. Oh. Um, and then, you know, really, I just I kind of come in and I have a piece of post-its on my desk. And I just kind of write my ideas for the day. Or my, I look at my calendar and go, what do I have to do? And then I go, cool, how long is that going to take? And I just kind of, you know, test gear. I test a lot of uh, equipment, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's, it's kind of, it's just so different every day. Some days, some days it's literally playing video games. <laughs> like I have to, you know, uh, NBA 2K came out and there were new stuff in that game. So my day was learning the new buttons mm-hmm. and learning new things. Sometimes, like I'm, right now I'm working on like my smash technique. So I sit and practice and uh, talk with our coach, Colin, and things like that. Also, I do a lot of stuff with just overall coordinating. Um, we were part of the NJCAA. I'm also on the national committee. So we're, we're setting rules for the season. We are, you know, checking in on all our different athletes. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of communication, a lot of back and forth with people, setting meetings, things like that. Gotcha. So you've talked about esports a lot. Where has that gone since you've taken over? Uh, with our specific program? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we had, it was nothing. It was basically an empty room when I showed up. So the, the bar was pretty low. Uh, <laughs> really, it was just about getting started. And that was, you know, when I first got here, um, since we, you know, we were building the lab, I spent my time researching, visiting lots of colleges, networking, lots of networking, mm-hmm. um, and just seeing how schools, they were already doing it. That, that's the only way I know how to learn. So I would, I just basically, luckily Illinois has a bunch of top programs. So I just, you know, emailed people, called people, Hey, what's up? I'm Guido. Can I come check mm-hmm. your stuff out? Yeah. And that's where I got most of my kind of, okay, this is how we need to go. Um, but you know, it, then we had, you know, put the team together when we do several different teams, also deciding how do you, how do you make a team for esports? So, um, it was all just trying to get us to where we're at right now, which is competing or this semester we're competing with three different teams. Hearthstone, Smash Brothers, and Overwatch. Um, so yeah, it's it's just it's been awesome to be at the be- very beginning. Yeah, like you know when I first got here, even with the production stuff, it was just empty rooms. And now it's all kinds of gear and people and things going on. I mean, before COVID, the basement was pretty hopping on an average day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember yeah. those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look forward to those days. Yeah. Again. Mm-hmm. So. But, you're the esports coordinator. You talked about the pet band. What does the title audiovisual technician mean to you? It means I know how to work gear. Uh, <laughs> actually, what it, what it really means is when I don't know how to work the gear, I figure out how to work the gear. <laughs> um, there's half my job is sometimes you're just staring at something. You're like, okay, it's supposed to work and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it work? Uh, that That's probably the biggest challenge. Uh, also really just, figuring out what people need for a project. Like I've done everything from, you know, figuring out the audio for this show, uh, but also um, Dr. Wade has a class and I, I, was, I was also in, I'm also a student, so I was on a Zoom class and I couldn't hear him very well. So I was like, I gotta fix that. <laughs> I was like, try this wireless mic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just really, it's really just knowing gear and how to apply it to different gotcha. things. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so any piece of music that you hear in this podcast was created by guido yeah and his students and it's amazing yeah it's very talented very cool yeah. that is honest you know it's it's been uh, a lot of fun to get to i love i love commercial writing mm-hmm. because as an artist when you write about your own things you just nip i don't know and you nitpick but as a commercial musician it's just i like it to sound like this use these words and you go yep cool no problem <laughs> <laughs> so it, it takes it takes that it just becomes the job where you just have to use, nothing gets in your way. You just create. Yeah. And if someone doesn't like it, I don't get upset because it means I'll write something new. So I get yeah. to spend, oh, I'll write something, whatever you like, I'll figure it out. And I don't mind spending days yeah. writing because it's, it's honestly out of everything I do, it's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing music. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So we were told that the story of how you got your nickname Guido is a very interesting one. <laughs> so why don't you spill that for us? Uh, oh I'm boy. excited okay. for this. <laughs> it, I, it's a, kind of a lame story, but I think I tell it pretty well. Um, it was really weird. I moved I'm from South Side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And like eighth grade year, uh, we moved to a new neighborhood. So I show up and I don't know anybody. I was like, oh, man. And uh, luckily, the person next to me and the person next to him had two boys. They're both boys my age. So I kind of fell into this new group. And like in the South Side, it's all about your your group was like what parish you lived in, what high, you know, Catholic yeah. schools and things. So this was like the Queen Universe crew. <laughs> so one day, I was like, and it was like the last day of eighth grade, I used to wear contacts. And uh, my contact was messed up. So I had these glasses that had a, a green tint in the sun. Um, and my friends went, hey, we're going to play baseball against the guys who graduated us a year after. So we go to play baseball. I'm not the athlete like you are. But <laughs> all day, man, I'm just smack, smacking doubles. So I end up on second base a lot. And I start talking to this kid, Bill Toomey, who's played second base. He looks over. He's like, uh, there used to be a SNL character called Father Guido Sarducci. He was like an Italian um, priest kind of guy. <laughs> and he had tinted glasses. So he looks over at me. He's like, man, those are like Father Guido Sarducci's. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, again, I was having a great day athletically. So every time I did something <laughs> well, he would yell Guido. And then i do something else well. His friends would chant, ah, Guido. <laughs> then my friends start yelling, Guido. Oh um, and it's just kind of stuck. I was 13. It's stuck. Fast forward to I'm about 21, living in Champaign. It's, you know, it's half and half my name. Mm-hmm. I, one of my roommates was named Mike. So my Southside friends would call. We didn't have cell phones back then, so we all shared a phone. And he would call up. Yeah, is Mike there? Oh, which one? Guido. Then my Champagne friends started calling me Guido. And then finally, once I started playing regularly, it just became my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've kind of adopted wow. it as my official middle name. Gotcha. gotcha. I mean, most people don't really know my name is Michael. My parents are the only ones that really call yeah, me. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> that's heard. What, yeah. And I think Laura said that she didn't know that your name was, was it Laura? Or it was, was it? No, it was his wife. Oh, your wife. <laughs> the first six months that you knew each other, she didn't know your legal name. Most people don't. Because, yeah, I, I mean, when I do interviews, it's Guido. When I'm in the press, it's Guido. Yeah. Yeah. No one, like I said, only my parents call me Michael. My, some, my family, too, but usually it's Guido. It's really... Yeah. Yeah. That's become my name it's really weird i mean i've i've known him over a year and i didn't know his name was michael until today yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's weird that again i'm 46 so i've had a nickname for over 30 years it's not a nickname anymore oh no, i know I've, I've had to kind of <laughs> own it yeah um, but it honestly it's great because people generally don't forget my name and i think most guys named Mike have a nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the most popular name when I, you know, so like when I grew up, there were just Mikes everywhere. Yeah. So it was always Mikey or Mike something or, you know. Yeah. Tall so Mike. You said that you grew up in Southside Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I heard that you went to um, an all-boys school. Is that correct? Yes. Brother Rice High School on the South Side. How was that? Honestly, it was pretty cool. I, I think about this a lot as a parent because... It's uh, when you go to school with all dudes, well, one thing, it, it allowed you to date girls from other schools. When I grew up, this was before social media. So you could, you know, go to, <laughs> I would go to dances like dance season. I would go to several dances with different, <laughs> all, every girl's school had a dance. Oh, my goodness. And so I would, you know. Yeah. Uh, You'd find your way around. Well, I wouldn't call it that horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to lots of dances. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I think of it this. Like, school's hard enough, right? Imagine throwing, like, you break up with someone, you see them and all that. Like, you didn't have that. And granted, you would still, it's still high school. So if you broke up with someone, there was up, you know, you come to school next day and like, oh, man. Um, But you didn't have that. So that was, I think, a lot better just to deal with. Would you prefer the, that over like the traditional school that we have around here? It's it was funny. I hated it when I'd had it, but now when I look back as an adult, absolutely. Yeah, really. It's just it's just one let like that. Especially when you're that age, you're you got so much to figure out, and everything means so much. Yeah. You know, every every day could be oh my god. And, um, so it's just one less thing to deal deal with. Interesting. We did have we did have a giant all girls school across the way, across the parking lot. And they would come over for band. So you, I still got to see girls once a day. So <laughs> we were as funny before cell phones. We were the communication hub between schools. Because if you wrote, like, say I met a girl at school, right? I'd go, do you know anyone from band? I'd go, yeah. I'd be like, hey, I'm going to send you a note. And so you would give the girl the band a note for the girl. And then she would, oh. And so it, became, it was like this big, like, just almost prison-like communication of just notes. <laughs> And you would just go through the band. We were like the little network between schools every day. Interesting. So the band people knew everything before anyone else did. So you guys were pretty much the cool, the cool yeah. kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, you know what? It was really weird because we had a bu- group of musicians in our band who were also athletes, which yeah. helped. Um, also, I threw parties and played bars. Yeah, true. So even though I was a band nerd, it was still like... You know, what'd you do Friday? Or I'd come in like at a Thursday gig and show up on Friday and be like, just like tired. And, yeah. And in so high tired. school? Yeah. You played bars? Yeah. So when I was, um, I had my first band when I was, I started playing bars when I was 16, 17. Okay. I got lucky because I, I ended up starting a band with some older guys that were all a year older. Okay. But our singer's brother was a bartender at a, or a bouncer at a club. So we played, we were actually, we were good. I mean, yeah. We were a good band. Um, actually, I still, it's funny, I, uh, I still talk to all those guys. Gotcha. Yeah, pretty crazy. But um, we just started playing. So what, luckily, since we were good, other bar people would see us. And um, luckily, my parents had an agreement. It was like, if you get a certain grade, it was like, I'd have a B average. And I could go do what I wanted for yeah. the most part. So, <laughs> good story. My first gig, my dad came. And we were playing all night. He stays for the first set. And we get there, and the owner's like, okay, guys, you're young, no drinking, no booze, you're play, and it's going to be great. I was like, all right. My dad leaves to the first set, and we're rocking the place. We get off stage, and we come down. The order walks up, throws two pitchers on the table. He's like, good job, boys. <laughs> and I was just oh like, I'm getting paid. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, I, I, I caught the bug really early. But yeah. I knew that's what I wanted to do before I knew how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a movie wow. called The Blues Brothers. Changed my life. Really? Uh, it, it, I was pretty young, and I was just like, "Wow! I just I want to do that." Yeah. Like I was, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't, I didn't even play it yet. But I was like, musicians and music and playing for people. Just really, even now, when I talk about it. I get goosebumps. I've been doing <laughs> oh my this for goodness. thirty he has years. Goosebumps. I, I just loved. There was just something about it. I just yeah. was like, "Man, I really want to do that." Yeah. Interesting. So, you've played in bars and you've got paid to play in bars, but we heard. That you also cooked in bars, washed dishes in bars. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the bar life or something. I, I, it was yeah. interesting. I was a, in high school, I threw parties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always liked hosting. I liked being around a lot of people. I think it was become because I was shy. But when you throw the party and you're the host, <laughs> it allowed me a little more confidence yeah. to be like, hey, like, 
welcome to my party. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so we kind of just, when I started, you know, I wanted to be a bartender. At the time, when I was like in eighth grade, that movie Cocktail came out, Tom Cruise. And I was like, yeah, money and throwing stuff around and, you know, ladies. I was like, all right. So, uh, but when I wanted to get a bar, the bartender jobs were very coveted. People were like, hey, we got someone in the kitchen. And I was like, sure. Um, but I ended up kind of like with every crappy job I have, I ended up like, you know, doing it all. I was yeah. like, I'd be, I'd be around one night and like, oh, we don't need a door guy. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I ended up bartending. Interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I learned a lot because I mean, learning the business and, you know, um, the social, it really helped for my bands too, because if I, I had an instant group of people who would go see me play because I worked yeah, at a bar. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and also it helped me with my networking too, because I could be like, Hey, you know, I, I know I'm a bartender. Yeah. Oh, Hey, I mean, especially back then on campus, you know, there weren't a lot of bars having bands. So I would go and make bars. Let me play. Like, is the manager here? No. When's he getting in? Six? Like, Oh, it's three. I'll just hang out here and drink until he shows up. (laughs) Oh, you're busy. Cool. I'll just hang out till you're ready. So I really had, you know, me and my friends, we had to make shows. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, between Gully's and the high-end hotel that you worked at, which one did you like better? Uh, the high-end hotel. We heard that we you were, were a chef at a high-end hotel. No, that is not correct. Whoa. It's not correct. My grandfather was. Not Wait a, a chef. second. Was this information from his wife? Yes. A chef? At a, no, no. I. <laughs> you have to call out your wife then. No, I've never been a chef. At a, I, I cook a lot. Um no, I my first job was McDonald's, and I worked I worked at different kitchens as like bar kitchens, but yeah. never never the high end stuff. My grandfather was, so she must be confusing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Lots of cooks in my family, though. Okay, you said you started playing gigs when you were sixteen, yes. right? Um, how did you get your start in playing music, like in general, like picking up instruments? Um, well, you know, in grammar school, the the music people come by and they do those, hey, they show you all the instruments. And I was like, drums. My parents were like, no. <laughs> I was like, please. And they still said no. Uh, so then I just picked trumpet because that was kind of look cool. And then I, I did that for a year. And I was like, you know, in the 80s, every song had a sax solo. Yeah. And I was like, you know, <laughs> like for me, I wanted to do pop and rock music and there weren't a lot of trumpets, but a sax. I'm like, cool. So yeah. I tried sax and I played that all the way through into high school. Um but bass is when I, when I got a bass when I was 13, it just, it made sense. The way the yeah. instrument laid out, what it does. Um, and also I really like, bass is the bridge between drums and like the melody instruments. Because you're percussive, rhythm, but also you're playing notes. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of the best of both worlds for me between guitar and, and drums. Also I like, bass is, it's the kind of instrument, it's made to hold things together to be in the you know to be in the mix, which I, that's why I love about playing music. I want to be the dude in the middle of the room, surrounded by all the cool stuff. Yeah, it's like oh, this is great, you know, being that that bed for everything else. Yeah. So yeah, just that's pretty much how it rolled. And I just started playing gigs, and uh, we maybe talked a uh, a uh, like a Catholic school gym and let me have some bands. <laughs> we were trying to figure. We had nowhere to play, and you know, I didn't play bars yet, and I'm like, I gotta play. So I just. Found, I'm like, oh, they did some some like young kids band played at some like gym. So I was like, oh, it was by my high school. So I tracked down the pastor and I was like, hey, I'm Guido and I'd like to do a high school showcase. I didn't have any bands yet. I was just totally talking to my butt. Yeah. And he's like, that's wonderful. Let's do that. And I was like, okay, I'll get you a date. And walked out like, whoa. What just happened? <laughs> 
and so yeah, insta- I did. I didn't realize I did that. So I my my first guitar player. We did a camp together this summer, and he reminded me of that story. He's like, "You've been always putting together shows." And I was like, "Oh, I guess I have." You don't think about that, you know. Mm-hmm. You always, I just remember playing. So yeah, it was just you know, I wanted to play, and I just tried to found. I had to find some places for my bands to play, and that's how kind of it all happened. Interesting. So. We talked to Kaya's uncle, who is a good friend of yours. Very good, my my bros. <laughs> and he told us the story of how you met your wife. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High School Musical, but the plot is very similar. Really? Yeah. So Troy meets Gabriella as he sees her singing. And at apparently that's karaoke, how you met. At a karaoke yeah. event, shindig, whatever. Right here in Danville, actually. <laughs> so that's uh, how you met your wife. Yes, yeah, so I have a, one of my bands is a karaoke band. So basically, you just like karaoke, you sign up and sing, except instead of a machine, it's a band. Mm. Yeah. So we're playing the Days In on a Wednesday night. And Wait, the Days In in Danville? Danville, yeah. My goodness. <laughs> my goodness. If anyone's ever been there, it's very small. It, it, <laughs> it is your classical hotel bar. Yeah. It's just got, you know, hotel bars can have a certain vibe to it. And she came in and sang. And I was like, wow, man, that's excellent. And then I didn't really talk to her that much that night. The next time she came, though, my buddy Mike Bray was leaving my original project, and he's gone on to go play with Tenacious D. Um, and I was like, you know, you should be in my band. And she's like, I've never been in a band. I'm like, yeah. So it's interesting. So she came. We started doing gigs. Just original music. You know, not a lot of people. Just for fun. And I was driving home from a gig with my partner, Tom, and he's like, who's that? I'm like, that's that Amy chick, dude. We've been doing some gigs. And he's like, I'm like, we should do something with her. And he's like, yeah, dude, we should. And I was like, okay, I got an idea. 90s daughter. Supposed to be an, I had an 80s band, but I wanted to do 90s. So I'm like, mm-hmm. let's do 90s. And no joke, driving home, I texted Amy, texted our drummer, texted a club, and booked a gig before we had the band. I'm like, yeah, we're doing this band. Oh we're going to play in a month and a half. You want in? So it all literally happened in like half hour period, like at like four in the morning. Gotcha. Wow. But that's how, yeah, that's how we met. And even then, we were, we were friends and bandmates for a, a long time. Interesting. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was, we definitely had a friendship connection, but I've never dated girls I've ever played with. Um, mainly because. I was going to say, is that a rule? You know what? It was a rule, but not like. I looked at it this way, like, you know, relationships kind of come and go. Yeah. But music is so important to me that if I had someone, like, I can form a music relationship with, I didn't want to mess it up. Yeah. Um, only because, like, you know, when I do music, I'm, I'm just way into it. So it's like, I want to write a lot. So, you know, um, I, I just, it was like, no, it was the music relationship was a lot harder for me to find than girls to date. Hmm. Being a musician, that's the easy part, you, you know. There's a room full of people who pay to see you. Mm-hmm. You have 30 seconds to literally walk up to anyone and just say hi and talk to them. Yeah. Which, unless you're really super good looking or rich, most guys don't have. <laughs> gotcha. It's different. It's like, actually, when I came up, you guys, we didn't have the Tinders and the. <laughs> you actually had to go out somewhere and see someone you liked and walk up to them yeah. and go, How you doing? I'm Guido. <laughs> wow that's bold yeah but that's <laughs> couldn't that, imagine <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think about that the differences of age like you guys never had to do that yeah. like we yeah. do i mean it was if you didn't do that you didn't meet anybody mm-hmm. yeah and that trust me that walk across a bar is a long walk <laughs> um you know because you i mean it's you gotta walk back to your friends it's either gonna be like yeah or oh, oh. man <laughs> but it does toughen you up yeah. i think yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so you said that you did the live karaoke band, which is a really interesting concept. What other bands were you involved? What? Because you said you had started. Some, oh boy! Most um, all? I've I've really, I've played in so many bands. It'd be really hard to count. I mean, I, you know, currently I have '90s Daughter, but uh, that's my main band. Um, but for a long time, I've always had like two or three bands in my rotation. Okay. I've well, it's just a. I like to do a lot. Yeah. Um, I like I like I mean I really like to play everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I except for like hardcore bebop jazz, like I've done a gig for everything else. Yeah. And I've never found one band that could do all that. Like even like you know if I'm doing music for money, you know I can't. Hey, I'm gonna sh- throw out this song I wrote. They're not there for that. They're here to yeah. hear Bruno Mars. Yeah. You know not. Yeah. My weird <laughs> stuff. Um. Yeah, so again, just I've always had several bands. I always have an original project. I always got stuff going on, um, writing for other people, recording for other people, mm-hmm. a lot of producing too. So like um, one time, uh, Pete brought over his Elvis impersonator. Fantastic musician. He was like on Dale Leverman, world class. Hmm. Uh, but my job was to put together this giant 30-piece band with strings and Wow. So there's a lot of stuff I do like that, which is so fun. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's interesting. Sign up for that gig. That guy ended up being a total jerk. Oh, no. <laughs> it was the first time I had. To, if it wasn't, well, again, my, my friend Pete booked it. And he, he, was, he was so rude that after the first set, the band was ready to walk. <gasps> and I'm sitting behind the Danville Arena, and everyone's like, what do you want to do, Guido? What do you want to do? And I'm just like, my instinct rock and roll is just to be like, to walk up and just say some really horrible things and go, we're out. You can do the whole show yourself. Uh, but I was like, no, it was for Pete. And that was the only reason I didn't walk. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. the guy was an amazing, he sounded like Elvis, great musician, total jerk. Mm-hmm. Ben yeah. Portsmouth. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I'm calling We got him. names. He's so big, he wouldn't even care. Yeah, but, true. <laughs> well, you know, he got drunk and he was calling out chord changes at us. And I'm like, I'm playing that note. So I'm like, he was basically saying over the mic that we're messing up and I'm like he's yelling it's a B and I'm like I'm playing a B <laughs> oh yeah it was it went from it was funny because the rehearsal it was the biggest band I ever produced the rehearsals were marathon but totally fun we went into this just like yeah yeah. and it was just from the first note mm. he sent us it was funny he sent us these charts from his band members as his production as a manager I messaged him like hey man these charts don't line up with originals just so you know no response I'm like okay Hit the first note, looks over, and it's like, dude, this is in C. And I'm like, yeah, but your chart says it's in A. And he looks over, he's like, he's English. And he's like, well, you should know this. It's your culture. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, because I sent you a message telling you that this song was in C, but you gave us music that I got from you and played your music. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a, you know, a test on, like, I had to be like, take a breath and go, hey, man, you're being a jerk, but this mistake was on you, but yeah. hey, I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. I just need 30 seconds to tell these guys that your notes are wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from the first, that was the first song of this big, again, there's a giant, I mean, there's strings and like kettle drums. This is a big band. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh yeah, it was uh, definitely, we, we still talk about that gig mm-hmm. in our group. So Guido is an extremely humble person and he's talked about how he's been like a small time bar guy been playing at bars but he was actually the house band for the chicago blackhawks and played all their home games for a year 
Oh yeah. So tell us about that. This was actually really, really cool. cool to like hear a little bit about. Yeah. Okay. So that it was really crazy because um, we started playing for the Blackhawks doing their events. Like we did their convention, mm-hmm. and if they needed a band, they just start calling us. Um, and it was kind of crazy timing because I was in a band called the Brat Pack, and it was my main source of income. It was the first my money. It was a, it was the first band that we started for money. Like a bunch of us got together when we were late 20s, like, we want to be working musicians. We were all working crappy jobs, record stores, whatever. And we got together and went, we're going to make money playing music, and we're going to do it through this band. So I quit that band and kind of got cut a little earlier than I thought. And I was at this point in my career was like, am I, I got to do something else. What am I going to do? Like, it was literally my main source of income gone. Mm-hmm. And I had two weeks to figure it out. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I started like... I remember sitting outside my porch, just, you know, I just gotten a, a divorce too. And my payments were all kind of based on oh, no. <laughs> this job that I just quit. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I was, I'm on a porch and I'm pacing, like, what am I going to do? I'm like, okay, bartending. Okay. Uh, lessons, just racking my brain. Two weeks later, I get a phone call and it's like, hey, it's AJ from the Blackhawks. Hey, what's up, man? He's like, so uh, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. And my other partners are on vacation, like in the middle of nowhere too. <laughs> and he's like, we know what we're talking about. We saw um, another team had a band. We we thought about maybe trying it out for a couple games, a couple games. I'm like, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Track down my friends and they drive to get cell phone service. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, we got an audition. We're gonna go. They want us to play a couple of games a month. Twenty thousand people. Let's do it. Wow. So we go. We're like, all right. So we go play. It's like they're like scrimmage, right? And we go play and we kicked butt. And it was really weird because. The biggest crowd I've played for before that, I've done several, like, 10,000 people, you know, between 5 and 10. That, that felt comfortable. Yeah. But this was, you know, 20,000. Mm-hmm. And it felt great. I was just, I felt at home, and it was wonderful, to a point where um, we're sound checking, and all of a sudden, we're in, we're in the big bowl by ourselves. We played, actually, during the games in the bowl. Wow. Um, Jumbotron, it's awesome. Oh I'll have to send you guys some pictures. It looks yeah, yeah, very cool. Oh, we've seen some. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so the suits come over, and I'm like, we're all wireless. I'm like, here's my chance. So I walk all the way over to them, start chatting them up. And they're like, man, how are you guys going to be able to play all sort of distance? I'm like, we can do this. Watch. I'm like, hang on a second. I look over at my guys. I'm like, well, I just, we're going to play. And we, boom, we stop. And we, I'm like, we're going to stop now. Watch. And we, boom, and we stopped. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we got this. And they asked how I'd feel about playing in front of a lot of people. And I'm like, I've been training for this my whole life. Oh my like, goodness. I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Um, so we did the fan thing and then they called us up the week later and like, hey, um, why don't you just play every game for the season? Wow. <laughs> um, and on top of it coming off the fact that I was just, I was ready to go find my first day job again. I was like, so in a two week period, I went from the lowest point in my career <laughs> to one of the highest points. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it was funny because everyone's like, wow, you guys are geniuses. And I was like, yeah. But I, I'm like, whew. <laughs> that one. But also it, it gave us, it was interesting, we, we kicked butt at that too. Mm-hmm. And But then the, the next year was a hockey strike. Oh. No. Yes. So we were the first. And also, I mean, really, they lost a lot of money for several years after that. So yes, we sir. were the first ones. Also, but that... By the time the strike was over, all the people that hired us but one were gone. Mm. They were moving on. And we didn't even know till the day of, they were like, they announced the strike was over. And we're like, oh, we're going back. Like, oh, I don't know yet. So it was a week of just like checking, you know, all the like strike news. And yeah. it, was, it was very stressful. Uh, but, you know, that whole that experience, I'll tell you, 
just fantastic. I mean, from the fans, we even, it was interesting. It was my first, um, there was a, these dudes who made a whole website making fun of us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's yeah. how you know you made it. And, yeah. well, <laughs> and you know, that's a quote from uh, our buddy Jack Black. Told Tom that. He was out in LA with them and he's like, yeah, Tom. He's like, that's, you know, that's the good thing. Yeah. And he's like, Tom comes back. He's like, well, yeah, what's good? Jack says so. And I'm like, thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> But so, uh, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was very fun. And I love, we, we really went into it like it was their only year. So I, I, so, I soaked in every part of everything. I was going to say know. no regrets. Afterwards, like we would go to the Billy Goats and people would buy us drinks. We'd take pictures and, wow. um, you know, they called us very fan friendly. <laughs> and it was weird because when you'd play, there's all these suits up on top and there's headsets and they would tell you what you know, what you did right or wrong or Whoa. play that song or, oh yeah, do this. And mm-hmm. uh, that was my first experience was just miss like It was just, wasn't just me. It was this giant thing. We'd work with the marketing department and all the tech department. Wow. And it was, it was a pretty, pretty fun. And the food was fantastic. Downstairs, like there's like this, like it's a, you'd have buffets every day mm-hmm. and it was like us and like, the press and like all of the like um, the cheerleader girls and like the the referees and things like that. And but across the hall was the Hawks. So yeah. you'd go to every morning. You'd walk you know, every show. You'd go down there and you'd see Patrick King walking. Hey, what's up? And, oh gosh. Uh, sometimes you just you know you would the announcers. You'd be in the elevator and they're, they're hanging out with you. Or the president of the Blackhawks would be yeah. next to you. Like hey, what's up? That's so, insane. And we were the they were all in suits and we were always not in suits. We were the, <laughs> not we were the rock and roll part, but it was it was so fun to be a part of that and uh yeah, something I will I mean I'll never forget that whole yeah. year. On top yeah. of even the years before that, you know, getting our jerseys and playing all the conventions, especially they won like I have like my custom Blackhawks base and they won ch- you know championships. So it was an exciting time to be a part of that organization. Yeah. And it bought me a year to build Nineties Daughter. Yeah. So, so you, know, you got your picture in Rolling Stones out of that? I got my elbow in Rolling Stone. <laughs> I, I was did so, see that. It was funny. They all they had two pictures and they used the one. Well, I'll, I'll start the story. So um, we had the guitar player from Cheap Trick who was there. Rick Nielsen? Yeah. And he's like, uh, they're like, hey, if, you know, we want to sit in. And we're like, yeah. So we get to meet him and like, this is going to be awesome. And before we play, it was funny. I look over, again, 20,000 people. We're about to be on national TV. And I'm like, Rick, just uh, real quick. Let's just go over what we're going to do. He's like, don't worry, kid. We were playing a Cheap Trick song. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> One, two, three, start. He's just ganking it up, playing <laughs> wrong notes on his song. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I just remember looking over at the guy. So I was like, I tried. I'm like, I was like, we're, pl- we're playing it in the exact same key they did. I, but he was just all over the place. Yeah. But it was still totally awesome. Like the, the place erupted. And, wow. You know, I can't say my, my elbow was in Rolling Stone. <laughs> Gotcha. And also, it was it was just, they said lots of guests and things like that. Gotcha. Okay, so from music into kind of like your personal life, you we know that you grew up in Southside Chicago. We know that you went to an all boys school. Um, something that was really intriguing to me that again I didn't know about you is that you're colorblind. That's a great. That's a good time to ask the story. Yes, I am colorblind. <laughs> My goodness. Um, and it's like. All gray? Or no, is it... that's what people think. No, I see colors. <laughs> okay. I just, it's like. Well, that's what Pete Blackman thinks is you see black and white. <laughs> everyone everyone thinks I don't have color. I'm like, no, I see colors. It's, it's different. Sometimes like I can be like, well, that's a red. Or sometimes I'll, I'll see a color and I, I see a color, but it doesn't register. I can't yeah. like, I'm like, it could be, you know, 
uh, you know, it's interesting. They, they don't, they, they let you cheat if you're colorblind. Like, so I'd go, you know, as a kid going in the school and they do those physicals and they would go, Hey, do colors, right? They pull up the color sheet. And I'm like, yeah, red, blue, that's, uh, that's brown. And they'd go, no, I'm like, no, that's brown. And they go, um, it's the color of this leaf. And I would go, leaves are green. Green. <laughs> oh, that's great. And they'd And to a point where I was watching this show called Reading Rainbow, I was probably like 13 or 12. And LeVar Burton shows up this circle and is like, you and I see a number seven. There are people who don't see a seven. I'm with my friend. I'm like, what's seven? He's like, shut up. I'm like, no, what? I'm like, I don't, I don't <laughs> see a circle with little dots in it. So finally, my parents didn't believe me. So we're at the eye exam one, one time. I'm like, do you have a colorblind test? My parents don't believe I'm colorblind. I'm like, yeah, it's this. Show 16 circles. I can pick two of the colors. Wow. But what's interesting is my buddy Tom a month ago got me those uh, color corrective glasses. Oh. And it's and so I he gave them to me and I was to wear them. I want to make sure I have my contacts on. So I was like, I didn't put them on right away. But also I was I was very worried about putting them on because I watched these videos of people putting them on and they start seeing their kids and they start crying. <laughs> and I was like, someone buys this for me and I put it on and go, they don't work. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, so I never bought it for myself for that reason because I'm cheap. But he bought them like, <laughs> so he got them for me. I waited till last week to put them on i was at a show we did a show a 90s daughter show social distance show and we're about to go on stage our 11 year anniversary show wow. i'm like guys let's do this and i pop on the glasses and it's weird because they don't think they didn't work how i thought they would they there's a red tint of stuff right mm-hmm. so i'm like okay just kind of make some stuff red but as your eyes adjust colors start popping up interesting and so I, I put them on. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I'm seeing a difference. But as I'm playing, all of a sudden, I just, colors, I would just, I'd find myself just staring at stuff. Like the TV <laughs> in the back of the room was like, that's blue. I, that's blue. Like I was doing, you know, I took my glasses <laughs> off and on. Like that's, wait, huh? And so that the whole show, not only was I just emotional from not getting to play and yeah. um, our anniversary and we just found out we won Best Band again. So it was all this stuff. And I'm, but I'm seeing colors that from the first time. Wow. Even when I got off stage, one of our backup singers has these, I thought she had gray eyes. And I was just like, you have really blue eyes. <laughs> and she, I'm like, I was like, whoa. And I was like staring. I wear a cape when I play. I'm staring at my cape. And I kept <laughs> telling my partner, Tom, like, thanks for giving me blue. But uh, I had one of those moments. I was, you know, I was very teary-eyed a little bit. But then Aww. the other day, even I was, I spent the day just look, looking at the sky. <laughs> but then my son came home and I, he has really beautiful blue eyes that I, I could see his blue but I was, like, I was just like whoa I was just like one of those videos my, dad, my kid's like dad I'm like I'm gonna have to stare at you because I'm just like not only have I always wanted blue eyes but I was just like they're gorgeous <laughs> uh, so you know yeah it's been an interesting thing with the colors but it's, it's been so I, it's funny I took one of those tests last week too and I was like so there were like 16 of those little blurry circle thingies. Yeah. And I was like, that's an H. And that's a 7. <laughs> and that's 14. And I, was, I mean, I got most of them. There's still some I couldn't do. But yeah. for the most part, it was just like to go like, to pull up my glasses and go, you know, like, uh, oh, I don't see any color. And go like this. And all of a sudden, whoa, that's a color. Like we have our little displays on our iPads for our mix. I didn't know that the top half was colored turquoise. And so I put these glasses on. I go to make my mix. I'm like, there's a color there where there wasn't a color. <laughs> it had a lot of flipping my glasses. Yeah, up and down, just like, oh. So, it, yeah, it was uh, 
very interesting, very fun. I'm looking forward to just kind of, even like I t- take certain days, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go check out what these colors are like. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. And even the colors I do see are very muted compared to probably what you guys see. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you mentioned your cape, and I was, I wanted to ask Pete that, and I did, but do you wear a specific thing when you perform? I usually wear a cape. Okay. Um, it kind of started with 90s daughter and now I kind of do it for like when I do it like uh, my camps and stuff. Mm-hmm. I always wear a cape. Um, yeah, so it's become, kind of become my thing. I wear a lot of Superman shirts. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, anytime I've ever seen you perform, it's been a Superman shirt with your cape. You know, it's interesting. I, when I was a kid, I'd you know, have my little action figures. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I just liked the logo. So Superman was always me. It wasn't like I was being Superman. It was just my guy. It was like, huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the crest, but then it, it became something s- s- very stupidly deep later. Like, I always felt like I was like, I had a lot of potential. I tested well, but I was underachiever. Mm-hmm. So, like, Superman for me became the whole, like, doing the best you can. Yeah. Like, having gifts and using them properly. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it kind of became this thing when I'm having a hard time. I kind of looked at him like, hey, all right, you can do this. Interesting. And then the cape just, I mean, A, you know, I, I love superheroes. Capes are, and capes are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They look cool. They feel cool. Is, mm-hmm. would you say it's almost a superstition by now when you perform? No, it's more of a comfort thing. Almost like a, like a security blanket. <laughs> um, well, it's, it, I, I'm not a very, I don't like fashion. I'm not very fashionable. But I, I do think when you play music, you know, you need to separate yourself from the audience. Unless you're in a grunge band or your own original stuff, mm-hmm. you shouldn't look like you just walked up from the crowd. Mm-hmm. If you're charging yeah. a lot of money, you know. True. At least for me, I think you have to. And so for me, it was kind of like, a, hey, what's, you know, why are you wearing a cape? Well, so you can ask. Yeah. I always get pictures. Always. Like, if we're, you know, where the press comes out. I know I'm going to get a shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I mean, I've even like, you know, I've learned how to work it, move it around, do things. But uh, I kind of like, it makes me feel like a superhero. <laughs> Interesting. Definitely. So I heard you are a master smoker of yeah. <laughs> food. Are you a Traeger uh, guy? Uh, no, I just, I've done all kinds of things. I like to grill. I love, I got, during, it was funny, I, I have like a box smoker, but when COVID first hit, it was my birthday, and I'm like, you know, man, I'm getting myself an electric smoker to try it, Yeah. and just fell in love with it. So, um, I, I, pretty much, it depends on what I feel like. I usually use my electric, but yeah, I smoke lots of meats. It's, it's, it's funny, I tell people, it, people think it's more impressive than it is. Like, if I make a brisket, I brought some brisket to some of my colleagues here, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, it's not that hard. It's just... You know, you just hey, gotta have time. That t- to, yeah, that takes some time and dedication. Yeah. Well, it y- yeah, but that's you know, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's smoked meats. If you guys, it's a it's a delicacy, and I thoroughly. My family does it too. Like, all my, I, it's funny. Every time I cook, I send pictures to my uncle and my dad. It's like, hey, it's my meat today, and they send stuff back. Oh, mm-hmm. you're making stuff, and they send. Oh, I'm gonna make something too. So, mm-hmm. it's been a very bonding thing for my family. Interesting. My uncle did like competitive barbecue. So he's very serious. Like when we go, it's in the family. Yeah, it's in, it's in our blood. Yeah, holiday food, like getting together for holidays and stuff, must be insane in your household. Well, you know, we're Hispanics, so like my wife always says, like we, 
and I don't get home very often. I'm eldest male. Yeah. So like when I get home, everyone comes over. We have we have family parties. Drop fat. I mean, no joke. My wife could never figure out who was a part of my dad's side and my mom's side because everyone just showed up <laughs> and they all just talk Spanish really fast. So it was like, oh. um, but yeah, food was always you know food and drinks. So we had a very, I grew up in a very party like lifestyle. Like my family was very. They were young. My parents were. 18 or 19 and 20 when they had me and they were okay. both the oldest yeah, yeah and my grand we grew up my grandfather bought an apartment building so we all lived in it everyone had floors mm-hmm. so it was like you had your own separate spot but at any point we were all in my basement my grandparents lived yeah so it was always you know we we got together and did food and drinks dropped the hat mm-hmm. i mean like no joke 20 people over the house no problem yeah one phone call um okay so w- before we wrap this up we were just going to ask you, what is your short and long-term goals for your field here at DAC with esports and, you know, music and things like that? Um, short-term goals, just get through COVID, to be yeah. honest with you. Like, I feel like it's a win if we can get through this stuff and not have to stop. So far, we've been doing that yeah. by hook or crook. It's just been, here are the rules. And I go, okay, how are we going to follow those rules and still keep going? Yeah. That's my short term. You know, everyone's working so hard, not only the kids practicing, but all, you know, the coaches and everyone, the staff. Um, esports has had ridiculous amounts of support from the president down. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and it was interesting. At first, there was some pushback because it was so new and they didn't understand it. But, you know, everyone was open to me going, hey, what are your concerns? Let me address those concerns. And they were like, cool. Those are during, I feel good now because, and they would move on. So yeah. um, that's uh, long term. Really, it's just building everything. I feel like we're just starting so much stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, even I just, you know, for the production stuff, the music stuff, the esports, uh, the fact that we've been able to even progress and grow during this time is crazy. So imagine once, you know, we get through COVID and we can open up, I think it's going to blow up. You need more access. Yeah. So, yeah, long term is just keeping all the plates in the air and really hopefully developing the recording studio um, and, exp- you know, expanding everything we're doing. Because mm-hmm. I really think. Once we once people know what we have down here, it's going to blow up. Yeah. And you guys are a good example of that. You guys have seen us when we first started to what yeah. we're even just doing right now. Yeah. You know, we didn't have the sets or the gear. Um, so really just, I, I'm interested to see how far we can really push it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I like to push things. It's to my detriment, but, but luckily <laughs> I've been working at a college has been great because, you know, basically they just, they, they wrangle me. Mm. That's a great idea, but slow down or, hey, you got to, Dude, you got to follow this step before you. I have a tendency, since I work for myself, I have a tendency to just go, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Like when my, my friend Pete and I wanted to start a rock camp, he's like, hey, do we start a rock camp? I was like, yeah, let's do it. That was it. There was no, it was, we're going to start a rock camp, right? And that was no joke. Now they're like one in the morning conversation. Yeah. But that was it. It wasn't how are we going to do it. It was like, cool. All right. Let's uh, meet next week and start this. Okay, cool. Action. That's yeah. it. And now we're in three towns and we're going to start our fourth this summer. Now we are going to move on to our segment called DAC Attack, where we ask some rapid fire questions for our guest. One, two, three, four! I mean, that's it? What you got? Okay. Summer or winter? Summer. Dogs or cats? Cats. White Sox or Blackhawks? White Sox. Champagne or Danville? Oh. <laughs> oh. Right now, I'm going to say Danville only because I've been like I've 
Danville reminds me, it's funny, Danville reminds me of the South Side. So, yeah, Danville, because that's where I, I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff in there right now. Gotcha. Sweet or savory? Ooh. Put your hands together. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick those sweet. Uh, eat in or dine out? Uh, eat in only because then I can cook. Exactly. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. No doubts. Ribs or brisket? Oh, man. This is, guys, you're, you're hurting me. I, it Ribs popped in my head first, but I mean. A I'm good go, brisket. Go I, I, well, I just got brisket down. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll have to bring some for you guys next time. It's, please, we, please. I brought some please. last time, and I got, it, Laura said it was, it was restaurant quality. So. Wow. <laughs> oh, go brisket then. Brisket is my new thing. All right. And then lastly, Flash Gordon or Spider-Man? Oh, you guys are killing me. <laughs> we, well, we couldn't put Superman in there. Yeah, we, we would know. know. You would pick that, so we had to make you choose. Oh, man. I'm going to go with Spider-Man because he's got powers. Okay. Although Flash Gordon has a better soundtrack. <laughs> wow. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Guido. We thank you guys. had an amazing time and we really appreciate you being here. All right. Have a great day, guys. Yeah, you as well. Um, all right, hold on. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Dak Cast with Kai and Keegan. Stay classy, Jaguars. <laughs>